This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. The scripture this morning is from John 13, verses 1 through 5. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Good morning. I'm going to get started with my message in just a moment. I want to invite Beth. Would you give a warm welcome to Beth and Larry Smith? So if you don't know, this is Beth and Larry Smith, and I'm going to let you guys... Thanks for making that clear, Larry. I'm going to let you guys... uh, Explain where you've been, what you've been doing, how long you're going to be there. Maybe just share real quickly, and then uh, we'll talk about opportunities to hear more later. So Tyler might start sweating about now because he handed me the microphone. <laughs> anyway, I just want to say, first of all, wow. I mean, this is awesome. It really is awesome to be back here and to see, see everyone. Um, I would praise God for that. And I also want to say, just to reflect on a couple of things, this is very Kenyan. You know, when you get the mic, you reflect on whatever's happened so far. In fact, oftentimes when someone finishes preaching, someone else comes up and does a discourse on their preaching. We're not going to do that today. Anyway, thanks. And you know, but, may, maybe that's going to be appropriate today. Who okay. knows? Yeah, well, you get the mic last. So. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, I do want to say, though, just from the, the singing this morning, the songs, um, when we sang, Oh, How He Loves Us, um, wow, you realize that all of the gospel screams out, God loves us. I mean, we should get excited when we read the gospel, when we read the Bible, because it's just screaming out, God loves us. And the same thing happens when we look at nature, when the things around us. So, and we feel that way about our church family here, too. So we feel very loved. And the other thing I want to share is what uh, Jen had to say. Um, Jen, hi, Jen. And um, so praise the Lord was also hallelujah, right? 
So I'm not going to try to teach you a whole bunch of Swahili today. However, uh, there is something that fits exactly with that that I want to share, and it's Buona Safiwe. That's praise the Lord in Swahili. So after someone says that, then you say Amen. So Buona Safiwe. Amen. Again, Buona Safiwe. Amen. Awesome. See, now you have three, three different praise the Lords today. So, okay, I'm going to hand the bike to Beth for a moment, and then I have a few more things to share, if, if I have permission. Is that okay? You don't mind? Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Tyler, yeah, he's starting to sweat okay. now. All right, there you go. <laughs> Good morning. How beautiful to be here. As I hug each of you, you smell good. (laughs) That's my first sensory impression of the church today, is you smell good. Um, We just came in last night, so uh, a little mind-boggling. Tuna penda Yesu Christo. Kenyan Swahili, we love Jesus Christ. J. Una. Muna Penda Jesu Christo, do you love Jesus Christ? Tuta Ishi Mbenguni Pomoja, we will live in heaven together. And when we look at the Kenyans, those that love Jesus Christ and those yet to love Jesus Christ, we will live in heaven with them forever. So let's be blessings to people everywhere all around us, across the world. Don't worry about me. I'm very, very happy in Kenya. My heart has come home there. So do not worry about me there. That's great, and we're thankful for that. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. So, um, well, I want to send our our convey greetings to you from a couple of churches. So uh, we have been involved in Kenya. We are actually uh, stationed or working out of Chigoria, Kenya, which is on the eastern slopes of Mount Kenya in central Kenya. So we're at about the 5,000-foot level, which is wonderful. Uh, The climate is very nice. Um, But uh, we are, have become part, uh, involved in a local church there that we can walk to church, so it's, it's really quick to get by there. We've been very loved there. And they have asked to send greetings. So Pastor Kenneth uh, asked to send greetings from Chagoria, Kenya, uh, to the church here. So greetings uh, from Pastor Ken and the church. We feel very loved and accepted there. It's really been an incredible experience getting out into the community, uh, into a community church. And we feel very, very loved there. Larry, Larry can I just say, can, can we return those greetings? Is that okay? Yeah. Can we tell Larry that we want to send our greetings back? Okay, That's a good plan. Covenant Church? Is that a good plan? It's a good plan. Okay, excellent. Okay, we will do that. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. Thank you. And we will do that. In fact, okay. I'm sure we will be asked if they sent greetings. So We send our greetings. <laughs> okay. All right. And also from the Evangelical Covenant Churches of Kenya. We've been involved with them, uh, not full-time, but a part of our time has been involved with them. We recently went to a graduation ceremony for 14 pastors, uh, Kenyan pastors, who went through a program through the, through, uh, the covenant called CHET, uh, it was originally done in Spanish, but they did it in English, uh, not Swahili. Um, but it's a, a really wonderful program uh, that they went through. It took two, two years, two and a half years, I think, to, to go through the program. So they graduated 14, and it was really, really great. So basically, they're bivocational pastors. They have jobs for their income, and then in the church, they are serving. So this gave them a chance to go to school for essentially no cost, um, but they but they have learned a lot, so that's been great. So greetings from them as well. And my wife wants the mic again. No, 
Oh, okay. Okay. One last thing. Go ahead. You sure? Sorry. Do, do we have time? Do we have time? Maybe. My message isn't that good anyway, Larry. Go no. ahead. <laughs> What's that? What's, okay. All right. I want to share a couple things real quick, and I will really will be quick about this. Okay. So let me stand over here. No, I'm kidding. Okay. So you guys are sharing a one today, right? Sh- sure. Oh, okay. But we have more stories. It's oh, okay. okay. Yeah. No, I want to. I want to share a couple things though. Larry. Seriously, my wife's embarrassed now too. You guys, you guys okay for two minutes? Three, okay. three minutes? We're okay. okay. Go for okay. it. Okay. Thanks. She is embarrassed, though. This is great. <laughs> All right. So, no, seriously, when we, when we go to church, it's not uncommon to get asked to go up in front. So they really do give you the mic. But I want to share a couple things. I want to share a couple things. Um, one is that when we went to Kenya, we learned that some things are very, very different. Uh, for the last six months... When you've taken a shower, you keep your mouth shut. You don't want the water in your mouth. So that's a really simple thing, and you don't want to get sick. So you don't want the microbes from the water. Sometimes the water looks like kind of like red coffee. That's about what it looks like. So, so we're okay with that, but it's just you adjust for it. Another one is driving on the left side of the road. That has bigger consequences. You have to adjust. You make an adjustment. So I've been driving on the left side of the road. In fact, today my mantra is... Signal on the left, stay on the right. Signal on the left, stay on the right. You like that. So you don't have a, an issue. Because I keep flipping the uh, windshield wipers on when I try to signal. <laughs> and then the last thing is, uh, is just there are a lot of cultural differences when you enter into another culture. And those can have really big consequences. We don't want to offend people, but a lot of times we don't know all of what we're doing and what kind of impact we're having. Um, so, so you can continue to pray for us about all three of those things, but certainly the one about relationships. But again, we just feel really, really blessed by, uh, by our church family in Kenya as well as our church family here. And so we are going to be, we're scheduled to stay in Kenya for another year and a half. And um, this afternoon at 1 o'clock, we're going to be in the library. Is that correct? I believe it's the library. Okay. Yes. So for those who want to come back or are able to stay, um, we'd be happy to share more. And, um, but again, we just really seriously... Uh, want to convey our, our gratitude and uh, just humbly to, to thank you for the blessing that you've been. Yeah. Don't, don't sit down just yet. I want to pray for you guys. Our mission as a church is to bring Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness to our community and to our world. So you guys represent us over in Africa, and as we pray for them, as we as we give, we get to participate in what God's doing around the world. And so, and I realize that you know, in a crowd like this, all of us are a different place in terms of our commitment level. But at our very best, we join with what with others in what God is doing and fulfill His kingdom mission on earth. And so, that's what we want to be at, about as a church. And so, thank you so much. Can I pray for you real quick? Lord, thank you so much uh, for just the encouraging words from Larry and Beth and what you're doing over in Kenya. Thank you for getting them here safely, uh, protecting them from uh, driving on the wrong side of the road and from uh, uh, showers that are questionable. And uh, Lord, we pray blessing in their life as they're here. May they uh, get rest if they need rest. May they be blessed if they need to be blessed. And, uh, Lord, we, we pray that you would continue to bless them as they return back to their family in Kenya and uh, give them strength and encouragement. And, Lord, send with them our greetings and our love. And, uh, Lord, it's so exciting to be a part of what you're doing in your kingdom around the world that will have a lasting impact for eternity. We just thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Thank you so Thank you. much. Yeah. Well, so we participate in what Larry and Beth are doing, but here's, I have good news. You don't have to go all the way to Kenya to make a significant difference in the world. And uh, we are in this series right now called Bless. You saw the video. And uh, it's about adopting five missional practices that enable us to really share the good news of the, uh, of the kingdom of God. And there are five missional practices that anybody can do. So um, I have a couple slides here. I can't remember exactly what order. This, let's check this out. What's God's plan for bringing the good news of his kingdom to my community? I am. Would you say this with me? Say we have to in, get this ingrained. You may remember when we introduced this series, I talked about when, when Jesus called Peter. He, he didn't say, come follow me, and you're going to find that I really love you. Now, that's true. But what he said is, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of people, right? So God calls us into relationship with him to be a part of his eternal kingdom and what he's doing. So let's read this aloud together, because if you're like me, I have to convince myself, okay? And if you were here when I introduced this whole series, I have to be honest. It's, it's easy. I have to be intentional, and I have to begin to adopt and say, what is God asking me to do right here? I don't have to go all the way to Kenya. That's a good thing. And it's a, it's a reminder to us that God is doing something right here in Eagle River. Okay, let's say it aloud together. What's God's plan for bringing the good news of his kingdom to my community? I am. I'm God's plan. Okay? Along with others, other churches, that's good too. But we don't want to let ourselves off the hook too easy. Okay? And what's great about these five missional practices, as I've mentioned, is, is anybody can do them. Even I can do them, right? So let's review real quick what we talked about. The first week we, was B, which stands for, a bit of a stretch, but begin with prayer, right? And there's still opportunities if, if you're praying at all in your community, whether your community is your neighborhood, maybe your community is people, you colleagues and people you work with in the week or Wherever you spend time, there's potential for community there, and you pray for them. We've got a map on the bulletin board. You can mark that. And what I find in my heart and my life, and I think this is the principle that Jesus used, is I begin to pray for people. It helps orient my time and my thinking in a way that I can be intentional, right? So uh, the first week was begin with prayer, and we were encouraged to write some names down. By the way, out in the lobby, there is an insert that has, um, kind of introduces the whole series, and it talks about that begin with prayer. And if you'd like to see that, we have extra copies out in the lobby, okay? The second letter, L, listen with care. Remember Pastor Todd talked about that? It was really good. He talked about evangelizing with your ears. That is, giving your attention to somebody and demonstrating that you care. Listening with care. So he talked about that. Last week, Mike spoke about eating. He gave us some great thing about eating together. Now, how many people ate a meal yet in the last couple days? Anybody? Well, this is a tough crowd. You guys don't like to raise your hands, do you? I thought I was an easy question. Well, let's see. I got to come up. I can't come. No, I'm, I know. We, we don't like to 
raise our hands. We're afraid, you're afraid I'm going to ask a trick question. It's really not a trick question. It's just simply to point out this is something we all do. And eating together is simply inviting somebody to your table. And so Mike talked about that last week, and uh, uh, it was really good. Gave us some real practical stuff. So these are five missional practices for intentional evangelism. And this was my own definition for me that was helpful about what does it mean to be intentional evangelism as it comes to those five practices. Well, it's planning, preparing, and creating space, spiritual space in my prayer life, space in my calendar, relational space, so that I'm not just spending time with people who make me feel good and people that I really like necessarily, but people who need Jesus, people who Jesus is, is reaching out to. So I'm, I'm creating physical, spiritual, and relational space to demonstrate and share the good news of Jesus. And here's the thing. It's not a program. It's not just a six-week thing. But I'm adopting an attitude in my life where, where I spend my time, I'm beginning to have a little different vector of what I'm looking for and asking myself the question, where, what is God doing here? That I, and where I'm at, and how can I be a part of it in the lives of other individuals? All right. So let's look at our passage this week. This week our letter is, uh, I should know, so I'm going to preach on it. <laughs> S, serve in love, okay? <clears throat> and the passage is read, this is the beginning of it here. It said, it's just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave. Now, he had been talking in his ministry in the Gospels about that his, you know, this hour that was to come. And now, in John Gospel in particular, scholars say, in chapter 13, the, the whole book sort of hinges on that. It's leading to the cross, and now, chapter 13, the hour has come, Okay? So Jesus is aware of that. The hour has come for the things that he predicted. It's time for him to leave this world and go to the Father. And so it says, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loves them now to the very end. He shows them the full extent of his, of his love. I want to pause here for a minute because if you're a little bit familiar with the story of Jesus washing disciples' feet. I don't know how much it was intentional in the mind of John as he's writing, but this the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet is such a beautiful foreshadowing of what he's going to do for his followers on the cross. You know? It's just a beautiful foreshadowing of that. And, um, you know, I know that God loves me. I know that Jesus died for my sin, but frankly... Uh, I've never seen a crucifixion, you know. Uh, I understand a little bit of what happened on the cross, but yet there's a lot of the spiritual and metaphysical things that Christ experienced there. I don't, I, I, I have a hard time grasping it. So while I accept it in faith, I have a little bit hard time understanding it all, and I believe that's what eternity is about. I'm going to be continually marveling, Right? at what Jesus did on the cross for me. Now, foot washing, I can wrap my brain a little bit more around. And what we see is that in John's gospel, unlike some of the other gospels, instead of the cross being a place 
where our shame is revealed and laid on the person of Christ, the glory of Jesus is revealed on the cross, okay? And even in this passage, what John has as this backdrop is this glorious one, Jesus Christ, who is now taking the form of a servant and washing feet. And so as I thought about this passage this week, I'm trying to imagine Jesus, the one who created all things, the one who sustains all things, the one who shares his glory or has the same glory as the Father in heaven, coming and stooping and washing my feet. I mean, I think my reaction would have been a little bit like Peter. Whoa, 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 whoa. But I want us to grasp as we talk about, oh, how he loves us. Because love is going to be key in understanding why Jesus served the way that he did. And uh, I just want us to just spend a moment there and recognize that we respond and serve and love others because Jesus first loved us, right? So uh, this is the first verse, and then a verse later in the passage that we're not going to get to, but it serves as kind of a bookmark. So this is the beginning bookmark. Jesus knows that the end has come, okay? And, and so now he's going to show them the full extent of his love. And then this verse comes in uh, John 13, 34, and 35. And he says, you know, just before this, he's saying, hey, you call me teacher and master. So if I'm willing to do this, I want you to be willing to do this too, right? He shows the kind of ways he wants us to love and serve one another and other people. And so he says this, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So, so that's a book. Jesus is going to show them the full extent of his love. It's foreshadowed in the, you know, the, the washing of the feet and even in the, in the process of that. Jesus connects it with the spiritual washing he's going to do on the cross as he t- speaks with Peter, okay? And then when he gets done that, he says, hey, I want you to love this way too. So what I want to do is I want to use this passage and say, what can we learn about how Jesus served and how can we imitate that? Is there certain things that we can imitate from Jesus that would set us free to serve others, okay? And I'm going to focus on three things, okay? So we serve in love, and the first one I want to talk about is our identity is secure in God when we serve, okay? This is an interesting, interesting verse. So um, this is verse 3 in the passage. I'm going to read verse 2 here in a minute. I think I have it. Yeah. So Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and he was returning to God. So this, is, this comes right before it says, so he got up from the table, right? So Jesus knew this. This is his understanding and his, his sense of himself and, and his place. And so that, that first sentence there, Jesus knew that the Father had put all all things under his power. You know what comes right before that in, in verse 2? It says, The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the... And then it goes on. But this, 
So Satan is acting. He's exerting his power, his authority. And Judas has decided now. Judas has decided to to exercise his power and authority. And so we have kind of a microcosm, if you will, of this struggle between good and evil that John introduces that theme in his very first chapter. It says, The light is shining in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it or not understood it. And we see this struggle, and we're reminded once again, and John keeps dropping all these little clues in here. And we experience it today, too, you know? We see, we see things out of control. We see evil, and we, we ask the question, who's, who's got the power and authority to deal with this? Why hasn't God done something? And even in this situation, as we see it go down, we're reminded once again, all power and authority rests at Jesus' feet. And so later, actually I don't remember exactly the place, I know it's in John, he says, no one takes my life from me, I lay it down. See, this isn't the final chapter, that's good news. This isn't the final chapter in John, it's not the final chapter in our life, it's not the final chapter in the world around us. All power and authority Jesus, and he knew this. Jesus knew this. I want to read a couple of passages of Scripture. In Colossians it says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over, he's supreme over all creation. In him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Everything Jesus created. Everything Jesus sustains. Okay? Creation. Whether you're a, 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 a young earther, right? Or whether you believe in some, some form of theistic evolution, I don't care. The universe is sustained by the power of Jesus Christ. He knew this. And we're reminded from a Philippians... Philippians chapter 2, Jesus being very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death and the cross. He chose. He chose. Jesus knows this. He knows he came from God, it says. In other words... He has shared the glory and the power with God the Father from eternity past. Right? Begotten, not made, we say in the creed, which is to say, He comes forth from the Father, but He's not a created being. He shares in the glory. And that He's returning to God. He's looking through the past of the cross. He knows why He's doing this. In Hebrews it says, For the joy set before Him, He endures the cross. What's the joy? to redeem creation, to redeem you and I. So at a dark moment in Jesus, he knows who he is. Now I ask, is there a parallel for you and I? Are there parallels? Jesus knew where he's come from. He knows where he's going. He knows that he has power and authority. Well, let me suggest a couple parallels for you and I. 
I know that as a follower of Jesus, he's promised to always be with me and that nothing can happen to me apart from his power and his authority. So I stand in my who I am and what I do is secure in the power and authority of Jesus. Not by my own power and authority, but by the one who has power and authority over everything. I also know that I'm incredibly valuable to God because I've been made in his image. So in Psalm 139, it says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So I have um, Bob Lentz, when he was here, if you don't remember, he was a guest speaker. He talked about, I can't remember if he used this illustration or not, but I know it's one he's used, okay? But he, he talks about a $5 bill, and he asks somebody, you know, what's this worth? They say $5, and then, then he crumples it up, and he steps on it, he rubs it around, and he picks it up, and he goes, now what is it worth? still worth $5. And he made the point, and this is a very important point, we are incredibly valuable, so valuable that God would die before we believe, before we behave. In other words, you and I don't become valuable to God because we start believing or start behaving or start whatever. While we were still sinners, Christ died, right? Why is that critical? Because it sets me free from having to perform, right? It sets me free. God loves me because he made me in his image. He made me to be like Jesus, to be in relationship with him. And the fact that I was born in sin and turned my back and I've done things I'm ashamed of does not change that for me. It doesn't change it for you. So if you're here today and you've never received Jesus Perhaps there was a sense, this unconscious sense, well, I've got to straighten out my life first. Good luck with that. God loves you right now, the way you are right this moment, however distracted, whatever sin you gave into this last week, right? God loves us unconditionally. So I have that. I have that belief. He made me in his image. And he's promised that I have a future with him. Where the things that I do now can count for eternity. Right? So I'm set free. In fact, I have a slide here. When I have nothing to lose, right? I don't have anything to earn and nothing to prove. I am free to act to bless somebody else. This is good news. Because if I'm honest with myself, and if you're honest with you, our motives are frequently mixed, and maybe it's on some kind of continuum. As I follow Christ more, I'm able to act a little bit more altruistically. You know what I'm saying? Because I become less dependent on you to tell me that I'm okay, or that I'm a good person, or that I'm smart, or that I'm clever, or that I'm worthwhile, or whatever it is. Because I'm made in the image of God. So are you. See, Jesus didn't need for his disciples to give him something. 
He didn't need for them to respond in a particular way for himself. Because all power and authority, he was over it all. And he knew who he was. He knew where he was going. So we can have some security like that too. Let me make sure I'm in the right place in my notes here. So those are the parallels for us. Second one. True humility. I'm going to read the next verse here. Actually, I have it up on the screen. So he got up from the mill, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a trowel around his waist. I just love this verse. Again, the picture of Jesus, right? It's a metaphor for the one who left his father's side in heaven, right? He got up from his rightful place. He takes off. He empties himself of his glory, right? He wraps himself in a towel. He takes on the form of a servant. Right? That's humility. He does it without demeaning himself. Right? He doesn't have to demean himself. He knows who he is. It frees. He's free now. He's free. So he, he gets up from the meal. Now I'm going to tell you a little backstory here. It's interesting when you read this, the, the, the Gospels, Jesus, it seems like, is constantly telling him, now I want you to know, when we go to Jerusalem, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed in, in the hands. And it's, he's, the disciples are like us. I didn't finish my sentence. I'm bad at that. Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of sinners, and he's going to be crucified, and on the third day he's going to rise again, right? He keeps kind of telling them that. But if you read the, kind of the story, they're not hearing it. They're not here. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we don't quite sure get what you mean, but you know, half the things we don't quite sure we get what you mean. I'm sure we'll figure it out. But what's really cool oh, is uh, if when you set up your kingdom, if I could sit on your right and my brother could sit on your left, right? And and then James and John, their mother comes to Jesus. Hey, when you you know after this triumphal entry thing and, you know, the kingdom and, you know, we're heading to Jerusalem. It's going to be, it's something, something big is about to happen. Something big. And now the, the disciples are jockeying just a little bit for, for position, right? And we come to this meal and, you know, the timing, you're, you're reading one gospel and another, but it could have been. It could have been right at that moment. It says in Luke's gospel, because they were sitting at this final meal, and it says, also a dispute arose among them about who was greatest. So this has been an ongoing argument as the tension is rising as they're coming into Jerusalem. And now they're sitting around this table and there's something special. Something, something special is going to happen here. Jesus, Jesus says in Luke's gospel, I've been so looking forward to this. Yeah, well, it must be good, whatever it is, right? And so a dispute arises among them about who's greatest. I can just imagine this in that moment. While they're kind of doing the arguing thing back and forth. Or, I don't know if you've ever been in part of friendships where it's, you, you kind of joke about it, but there's a little sting in the jokes, you know? There's a little like, hey, yeah, remember that time, you know, you were you know, doing whatever and you couldn't cast out that demon, you know, or I don't know. <laughs> so there's some kind of banter going on, and I could just see that Jesus quietly getting up, taking off his robe wrapping himself in a towel. Right? 
See, in Judeo-Christian value has permeated Western culture. To even this day in our culture, we, we still have the strong, regardless of how godless you think our culture is, there's still this idea that, hey, we're all equal. See, that wasn't a big deal in history. We're all equal, and, and we, have this, we have this view that, that it's a cool thing if, if you're a good person who helps other people, right, and helps them out. But the way Jesus did is he took the form of a servant. Here's the point I want to make about true humility. When I'm helping somebody out, my natural tendency is for them to notice, I don't know, that I'm capable, that I'm giving, that I'm good. That was not in the mind of Jesus and his disciples right then. Jesus' disciples are like, what in the world is he doing? That's what they're thinking. And right? But Peter says, Are you washing? You're not washing my feet, right? The little pride there is on his own. See? When we take the form of a servant, it's not just about what we do to help somebody, but it's the posture in which we offer it, right? See, when I when I wash somebody's feet, I want to do it in my royal robes. I want them to know that it was a it was a it was a, quite a thing for me to condescend and get down, right? Jesus puts on a towel. He takes the form of a servant. So when I, in my royal robes, and I offer something, it's about my condescension. It's about mine. What a generous person. You know? In our culture, we love to give accolades to people who have served and done things. And, and we do things like, yeah, I, I served at the soup kitchen uh, you know, all summer long. And that helped me get a scholarship. See, to the college I want to go to or whatever it is. See, it's hard for us to think in terms the way Jesus did it, where when we posture ourselves as a servant, what we do, rather than draw attention to ourselves as the one who gives and does, is we elevate the person that we're serving. We value the person that we're serving. So in your worship guide today, there's, a, there's a, some ideas about how to, uh, to serve in love and one of the things on there I really appreciate they put on there is allowing somebody else to serve you. You know, maybe, maybe uh, rather than you being the expert mechanic who goes to help your neighbor, maybe let your mechanic be the expert who comes and helps you fix your truck. Wouldn't that be great? Because you get your, fu- your, your truck fixed as well. You see what I'm saying? So we're looking for ways that we serve, and it's a posture of the heart where we value and dignify the person that we're serving rather than making it about us, about me. I'm embarrassed, you know, when I'm working in the community and just, you know, I'm conscious of trying to connect with people and stuff like that. I'm embarrassed how often that the thing that I do is I try and make a clever remark, like that was kind of cool or that was kind of funny or that was kind of, and I realize at the end, it's like, I'm, 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 I'm doing the wrong thing. Rather than making the focus of my attention about valuing them, I want them to like me. And at the end of the day, that's not serving them. That's serving me. So one of the ways that we learn to serve like Jesus is we, we adopt the posture of a servant. Not in a way that demeans us, but in a way that validates and honors them. Third thing, very quickly. 
love directed toward others. And for this, I'm just going to go back to the first verse. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the very end. The thing about the way that Jesus loved, and this, there's some real overlap here, but what strikes me is Jesus' love goes out to others in expression of his desire for connection. And a real rudimentary example, I can say, you know, if I go, if I go serve at the soup kitchen, I can walk away from there not really having seen anybody I'm serving, not really having to connect with them or see them and just feel good about myself because I just gave at the soup kitchen. You see what I'm saying? There's a subtle difference, and I'm not suggesting that everybody we go out and serve has to become our best friend, but it's about valuing and connecting, that you see that person as another individual who's been created in the image of God, and therefore they're valuable. The irritating neighbor, the, the backstabbing employee at work, right? That's somebody that God loves that's been made in his image. And I want to value them. I want to express love in a way that dignifies and, and blesses them. So Jesus didn't just express love. He did it for connection. As you continue on in John, you know, it's his high priestly prayer in John 17 is all about his followers being one with him and the, and the Father. And his followers being one with one another, he wants love to bring us together for there to be a connection. So love doesn't exist as just an action apart from wanting to connect in some way and wanting to value, add dignity. That's my point. As the worship team comes, can I close? So we want to follow Jesus' example, okay? And just real quickly from this passage, I mentioned three things. I'm just going to go back to that slide. That when our identity is secure in Jesus, then I don't need something from the other person. I'm free to give. I'm free to just to serve. And it takes true humility, a willingness to adopt the posture of a servant. So not as one who's reaching down just to give a hand up, but one who's from, from beneath, who's willing to lift up. And it's love directed toward others. So it's not love like a nebulous just action. It's a love toward a person that I want to lift up and connect with. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father in heaven, thank you so much for your love to us. As we sang about, as we've heard again, we marvel much more than Jesus washing our feet, but that he would come and die on a cross for our sins. Thank you for the love, Lord Jesus, that you demonstrated to us. Help us, Lord, to see it more clearly, to believe it, and begin to express it more to the people around us. We ask in Jesus' name.